0: From the writer's room at the 10-speed and brown shoe production office, it's the IGN digi And now, two men who spend their days solving crimes, but their nights solving different crimes. Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Absolutely one of our more clever uh, listener-supplied intros. Bob, who's that? John Hartzell, Middle-Age Riot. Awesome. Yeah, John, John Hartzell, a longtime listener, has supplied a lot of great openings and does a, uh, a, a very cool comic strip, Middle Age Riot. Check it out. Um, Mark, we voted.
1: The L.A. Film Critics Association, <laughs> we have spoken. You know,
0: you, know, it's, you know, it's great. We seized, honestly, this is what I love. We, we truly seized the headlines for about eight hours. It is true. It was about eight hours until the New York critics came out.
1: No, oh, even worse than that. Boston No, Boston The Boston might have been the same day
0: They were But we came out first
1: Because here's the thing For about three hours of that <laughs> For about three hours I have about three hours To convince my family That I'm cool Yeah So I actually put, uh, I went on Facebook Put it out there Called my mother, made yeah. sure everyone knew, because for the next three-hour window, I am influential.
0: And then the Boston critics stole our thunder, and, and then this morning New York uh, stole with, theirs. And then
1: with, with New York, all memories of what we did, yes. erased.
0: And then, of course, once the Golden Globes come out uh, in the morning, the morning that this podcast goes live, then, uh, you know, that <laughs> everyone forgets everything exactly. else. Um, and I have, to, I, have to, I have to get up at the crack of dawn, too, because I'm, uh, I'm on KPCC to talk about the Globes.
1: Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know what graphic. I have to do? Sleep late because I'm know. not on TV like you are.
0: It's a, that would be radio. Oh. I'm not going on TV at five. You know, I'd scare the children.
1: Uh, I found it interesting. Uh, it was an interesting to, vote. To give people insight into what it is that we do as members of the LA Film and Critics Association. Now, now Wade is a yeah. bitter old journalist who doesn't care anymore. <laughs> For me, I have, to, I have to admit that voting day at LAFCA is one of the unique days of my year. I always enjoy it. It is uh, dramatic. Yes. It is fun. It's a day when you feel like you are affecting people. Yes. Like, we can actually vote for something that starts the ball rolling to Oscars. Yes. That, that, that's indisputable.
0: And and in the fairness, even though I am a cranky old curmudgeon, there we have given awards in the past that really did make a difference in people's lives. I mean, a lot of the time, you give awards, and it's just sort of, uh, you know, it's peeing in the ocean. You're just adding more noise to an already just incredible uh, volume but uh, for example when uh, you know you give those little awards and we had two of them this year which really could honestly help contribute to a couple of Oscar nominations I think uh, um, Jackie Weaver stands a very good chance now because we pulled her out of obscurity and gave her a supporting actress.
1: People were thinking of her I, I was kind of reading the blogs in the days yeah. before we voted and people actually kind of uh, uh, pegged her as someone who could be nominated which I found interesting And but when we vote and we anoint her the best, it does legitimize the thought. Yes. Now, the only, the only uh, recipient uh, who will not benefit at all from what we, what we did, although I agree with it, it's fine, is the woman who started Mother.
0: Yeah, no, she won't get an Oscar nomination. No. but And she's probably not even going to show up to our awards. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what?
1: Like half the people are not going to show but up because gutsy. they all live overseas.
0: How gutsy are we? We gave it to uh, you know Kim hy ja That's See, pretty gutsy. I-
1: I don't want to be gutsy. I want to be right.
0: Well, and we were right because she is amazing in that movie. you got to admit. No, she's great in the movie. She is incredible. I mean, nobody – they're like, what, mother? Korean movie? Best actress? Yeah. I mean, this is – look, the movie is completely tweaked. It really is. It is just – this movie is this sick and wrong and so disturbed as many Korean films are in so many ways. I mean, really. I don't know what they have in the water in Korea, but those people have some serious issues to deal with. But that being said, this movie is larded out with all of those issues. And she just nails it I mean she owns this movie in a way I haven't seen in years
1: Oh she's terrific, no doubt about it But it's funny because there was very little support For Natalie Portman and Black Swan Who I thought it would at least be a horse race Between the woman from Mother and Natalie Portman Natalie Portman didn't even come in Did she even come in fourth place?
0: Uh, I could check but we got to talk about DVDs DVD what? Uh, DVDs
1: Explain We got
0: DVDs here, Mark.
1: What? Let's do some... Oh, you're going to start with something good this week.
0: I am going to start with something good. I'm going to start off with, uh, you know, normally I talk about this in the foreign films, but we're talking about Kronos here. And here's why I think this is important. Now, Kronos is, of course, the 1993 film uh, with which Guillermo del Toro made his amazing debut, and he's been just, you know, hot ever since. Uh, Kronos is probably in many respects I think still Guillermo del Toro's most interesting movie I don't think it's his most accomplished film I certainly don't think it's his best film but in many ways it's his most interesting because it's the one that relies on the le- fewest conventions the fewest movie conventions um, you know the, it, the the whole thing centers around this um, this weird little kind of scarab device that is somehow kind of a it's it somehow has like occult powers and uh from there, Ron Perlman, well, you know, anything with Ron Perlman you got to love. Um, really creepy, really scary, really inventive, incredibly well done for its low budget. A lot of very, very interesting effects, pre-CGI, mind you. There's no CGI stuff in here. And you get great extras here, uh, especially Geometria, which is a 1987 short that Del Toro did, which he didn't actually finish until this year. So that is super, super cool. And I love the fact that he didn't finish it until this year, uh, which they explain here. Then there are also new video interviews with Del Toro and Ron Perlman. Um, Great video interview with uh, Federico Federico Lupi, who's in the movie.
1: His name's Lupi.
0: Yeah. And, of course, a couple of audio commentaries. One not so good, one really good. The Del Toro one is really good. The other one is kind of, you know, dull because it's got a bunch of people that aren't that interesting to listen to, including the producers. Um, but um, anyway, it's uh, really highly recommended. A, a terrific Blu-ray from uh, from Criterion, also out on DVD. Uh, definitely go check out Chronos.
1: So what you're saying is go check out Chronos.
0: That's what I'm saying. I'm saying check out Chronos. Uh, Mark, you you got a niece who loves that crap, don't you?
1: You know what? Actually, I think I'm going to send this to uh, her. Uh, Eclipse. Now I have to admit something, which I will only admit because um, you are our loyal die hard listeners eclipse is the first twilight movie i have ever seen and, and,
0: and you loved it you you loved it so much that you ran naked out of the audience out of the uh, theater afterwards didn't you n-
1: no i was wearing my socks okay good uh, i don't know anything about eclipse or twilight this is the first one i saw actually and uh you know i thought it was acceptably fine I it, it didn't it, I, I heard the first one was terrible the Catherine hardwick one yeah I heard Uh, the same This one uh, uh, Seemed acceptably uh, fine It's uh, It's the story Of uh, the Team Edward And the the kids And the vampires Yeah the vampires And the wolves It started a whole vampire Thing on TV Which is just annoying The crap out of me Because I can't take it anymore How many CW shows Can you make about vampires
0: Uh, It's 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 annoying now Really there are just There are something like Five or six shows About vampires on television They all have blood in the title
1: But you know what Now we've moved beyond Vampires into zombies Whatever We have It's awesome so anyway, uh, this, in this one, uh, uh, something happens. I don't know what happens. I, I can't even remember. <laughs> Look, if you like the movie, you're going to like the movie. What the hell do I what, – what, what could I possibly say? I don't know. Except to remind you again that I once worked with Kristen Stewart's father. That's right. <laughs> could you tell that story again? No, no, please don't. I will not be doing that.
0: Uh, Mademoiselle Chambon is a French film by Stefan. Give,
1: give, give me that. I'll send that to my cousin. Give me that.
0: Yeah, after, afterwards. I got I to, gotta, you know. What? I gotta manage. I gotta manage the the the, the pile here. Uh-huh. Um, the Mademoiselle Chambon is a really cool film. It won uh, it won a Cesar Award for best adapted screenplay. It was in the running in our uh, Colcoa voting at the City of Light, City of Angels uh, Festival this last April. Directed by Stéphane Brisé, who's a very very good filmmaker. And it's you know what I I really like this film. It's not. It, it's not brilliant. It's not going to blow your socks off. It's basically another one of those French movies about infidelity, and there are g- trillions of them. But let's face it: the French make better movies about infidelity than anybody else. I mean, it's one of their favorite themes. Uh, it's it's a really interesting film about a um, a guy who's a contractor who winds up having an affair with his son's uh, school teacher. And what's interesting about it is it's not really a movie about lust. It's just a movie about loneliness and how loneliness can actually kind of change people's lives in particularly negative ways if you kind of give in to the temptations of loneliness, uh, the emotions are really, really honest. It's very sparsely shot. It's very, very, uh, it's it's simple in that kind of French new wavy way, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's got an, interv- uh, an interview on here with Stéphane Brise, along with some deleted scenes and uh, some trailers, nothing really huge, but... Um, if you have a chance, check it out on Blu-ray. Uh, the Blu-ray is very, very nicely done. The people at Kino Lorber—that is again the um, the collaboration between Kino and the uh, the Lorber Films people—who have kind of bounced around from distributor to distributor. They've now landed with Kino. Uh, really, very nice. And uh, again, not bec- not necessarily a film that just explodes on Blu-ray, but it's very the subtle tones of the uh, of the transfer really come through very, very nicely. So. If you have a chance to at least rent it, check it out. Uh, Mark, did you uh, did you like Mick Max?
1: You know, um, I love the production design. I loved what Jean-Pierre Jeunet brought to it because that's what Jean-Pierre Jeunet brings to everything. Yeah, but you know what? I was disappointed in it. It felt a little kind of meandering to me.
0: I got to agree. I I just I you know I I so like him and uh, the stuff that he did with you know Caro with uh, Mark Caro like Delicatessen, City of Lost Children. That stuff is just great. I love all that stuff. On his own, I've been kind of hit and miss, and this one's kind of more miss to me. Um, it, it feels, it just feels so forced. The story is basically about a guy who, played by Danny Boone, who, by the way, is a huge, huge star in France. I don't know if anybody here realizes it, but Danny Boone made um, a movie uh, like about, was it a year before last, which opened Colcoa here, called um, Welcome to the Shti, Bienvenue chez les which is which is the all-time highest grossing film in the history of France. It blew Titanic out of the water because it is so uproariously funny. But it all depends on knowing this dialect that they speak in the north of France where they just mispronounce everything. And as a result, if you speak French, the movie is just riotously, gut-bustingly hilarious. If you don't, the subtitles do a pretty good job of translating it, but it doesn't quite work. And Will Smith is going to remake this thing. I don't get it. No, he's not. He is. Will Smith bought the remake rights. Is it going to be some, somebody from like Louisiana who goes to Maine? I don't know. But anyway, Danny Boone, very funny comic. He stars in this film as a guy who um, winds up in the middle of a feud between two arms dealers. And this all kind of has to do with a, uh, a freak accident from – sometime earlier I, I won't give it all away it's all really unve- re- revealed at the beginning of the film it's all kind of it's like a Rube Goldberg trick don't you think the way the film unfolds those two feuding the, the with the bullet and the two feuding arms guys and then all of the machinations that go on to somehow resolve this and then the misfits who live in the junkyard who become his kind of like rebel army it's just it's all very odd
1: well, for no reason. Well, Jannet films are all very odd, but this one seems specifically tailored.
0: Just to, to be odd for its own to, sake. Yeah, to pre- yeah. So
1: Genet can present the stuff that he likes to do. Well, there's a decent
0: commentary here, um, and then thing on the making of the film. It's it's really gorgeous to look at. I mean, the Blu-ray is spectacular, but I just the movie didn't do anything for me.
1: You know, a movie that didn't do anything for me, although I think I'm in the minority on this, is Cyrus. Cyrus was uh, written and directed by uh, the Duplass brothers Jay and Mark They're the guys who do a lot of these mumblecore films That Wade hates That I actually want to hate Here's the thing with mumblecore Henry Jaglum I want to hate him And I do hate him Mumblecore I want to hate it But I can't because I wind up liking it So, Jay- oh, I, I hate them all I know you do uh, so, this is the Duplass brothers' uh, break into the uh, mainstream. This is John C. Riley, Jonah Hill, Marissa Tomei, and Catherine Keener. Uh, it's an interesting setup where uh, J- uh, Jonah Hill is the son of, the, of uh, Marissa Tomei, and they have a very bizarre relationship that might be incestuous, probably isn't, but it does skirt that. And when John C. Riley starts to date Marissa Tomei, he kind of enters this very strange mother son relationship. And uh, it's always very off-putting to him. He thinks that Johnny Hill is trying to sabotage Riley's relationship with Tomei. And, uh, you know, the setup is interesting, but you know what? I just felt like the one thing that the Duplass brothers do very well in their mumblecore films is they're very good with character. Uh, the characters are rich and consistent and interesting and detailed. But this is real. not
0: technically a mumblecore film.
1: That's true, but they this come is, from that yeah. world. Yeah. And yet somehow they were they went mainstream... And yet, they weren't able to replicate that character specificity that I love from them. It wound up being mm. a little too mainstream for me. But you know what? People liked it, so I'm kind of. Is uh, this even
0: worth it on Blu-ray? I mean, no, I, just what you're not. saying? It sounds to me like it's just it's going to look the same.
1: It looked the same. Yeah, don't worry about it. Speaking of things you shouldn't worry about, Barry Monday. Now, uh, Barry Monday is a movie about a guy who uh, wakes up after a freak accident, and his uh, his thingy is missing. really he doesn't have a thingy anymore really yeah he lost his family jewels
0: oh my gosh you know that sounds a little bit like that film that we're going to be doing the uh, audio commentary for um, vanguard in january you know that we are yeah what are we doing we're doing armless we are yeah wow you you, you know about armless right i do not
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're doing i I, I better watch this thing
0: Well, yeah. Well, we haven't gotten that. No, Arliss was a uh, big uh, big deal at Sundance. It's ba- it's about a guy who wants to have his arms amputated, and he suffers from what is an actual real diagnosed um, illness, affliction, mental illness, which is people who don't feel that they're complete unless they're missing limbs.
1: It's it's a little like uh, trepanation. Yeah. You know, where you trepanation, you pretty much feel like you have to mutilate yourself. So,
0: Barry, so Barry's missing his thingy, his junk, his yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: it's uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, who's come a long way from... Uh, the other much better films he did. Uh, it stars in this thing with Judy Greer and Chloe Sevigny. It's okay, you know what? It was it was it was a little it had it had a little bit of an indie blip, a in, little bit of indie heat in the middle of the year, so some people kind of liked it. I didn't think it was very funny. Uh, special features included deleted scene, uh, a couple of them actually, gag reel, some outtakes and a commentary with the director and Patrick Wilson and not Judy that. Greer. Very Monday.
0: I assume not necessarily worth watching on Blu-ray. Correct. You know what I do recommend on Blu-ray? Uh, Star Wars. Nanny McPhee returns.
1: You love the Nanny McPhee movie. I did. No, well, you know, here is the thing.
0: I was not a fan of the first Nanny McPhee film. I thought it was kind of. Did you like
1: that movie? Yeah, it was meh.
0: Right. It it sort of came in. It felt like okay that we've we've had the Harry Potter and we've had the Lord of the Rings and we've had the uh, the 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 what's it events with Jim Carrey the the unfortunate events thing and it was like everyone was trying to do. The, they were they were all looking for the next kiddie fantasy thing that had some kind of a British tone to it. Like, let's we, what's the next Mary Poppins thing? And somehow somebody said, "Oh, Nanny McPhee," let's do Nanny McPhee, which is based on you know another character. I I, the, the, I don't even, it's like it's not called Nanny McPhee. I'm uh, brain is freezing on me here, but series of books that are that are basically about this character, and. Um, <clears throat> They went and got Emma Thompson to write the screenplay and play the character and, you know, it's sort of she comes into the lives of these children and, and, you know, has to. Colin Firth was in the first film and she has to, you know, they have to behave and do the right things and she slowly gets less and less ugly as they learn their life lessons and then she leaves when they no longer need her but they want her. That's the thing. When you want me, when you don't want me, I'll be there. When you need, or when you, when you need me, I'll be there. When you want me, I'll leave or whatever it is. Anyway, what? that's her little thing. Yeah, it's like, when you when you need me, I come. When you want me, I leave.
1: So it's the difference between being wanted <clears throat> and being needed.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Wouldn't you rather be wanted?
0: I don't know. Anyway, that's what Nanny does. She's like, uh, she's like Mary Poppins with warts. So anyway, the first film, not a huge fan of. The second film, Nanny McPhee Returns, where there's a whole different family, Maggie Gyllenhaal, sporting an amazing British accent. Can I say amazing British accent? Maggie Gyllenhaal nails this. Like, she makes Gwyneth Paltrow look... Ridiculous
1: how Madonna You know, Madonna has a yeah. British accent yeah, yeah, that's
0: kind of an affecta- affection Anyway, uh, affectation Sorry, affectation No, Maggie Gyllenhaal nails it here And uh, she's, you know, the husband's away at war And she's going to lose the farm Unless she can somehow, uh, you know, pull it together And the kids, they need help And oh my gosh And she's got this, you know, horrible brother-in-law Who's, gonna, who's, gonna, who's not necessarily on her side and uh, Nanny McPhee comes to the rescue. Now, look—you can tell from the from the the, cover, the, the box art and the uh, the one sheet art—they're completely trying to channel Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But it's really actually very fun, and the World War II backdrop is what uh, gives it that extra punch. Uh, I thought this was very fun, much better than the first film. Don't look at it on DVD. Uh, the director Susanna White, who comes out of British television, does a great job. And uh, does a great commentary, but there are extras on the uh, on the Blu-ray that I actually really think uh, are, are pretty awesome. One of which is that for a limited time, you can stream a bonus movie to your television. Now, um, I wasn't able to figure out how to do that, but uh, I think it's kind of cool that they actually did include that. In, in addition to all of the BD Live nonsense that's just completely useless. But, you know, it, you get basically a second movie in streaming if you get the Blu-ray. So that's that's worth the Blu-ray, I think.
1: You know what? Uh, people love the Nanny McPhee's. They they may even make a third. You think? Why not? Uh,
0: well, anyway. Um, Mother and Child is one of my favorite films of the year. I uh, I love this movie. I cannot say enough about this movie. This is one of those uh, kind of multi-threaded, multi multiple stories all interlaced together. So it should come as no surprise that the executive producer is Alejandro Gonzalez-Iñorito, who previously did Babel and... Uh, Uh, Morris Perros and that's his thing and uh, his good friend Rodrigo Garcia wrote and directed it it is in English don't let the Spanish names throw you it is in English and it is basically about families and mothers and daughters and sons and children and how these several different families intersect now the one story the two stories that you know intersect is one with Annette Benning as a, as a woman who's kind of become an old maid and she'd given a, her daughter up for adoption years earlier and doesn't know what's become of her. And Naomi Watts in another story is that daughter who doesn't know anything about her mother, but she's become kind of a coarse, ruthless attorney on her own. Um, and uh, you think you know how those two stories are going to intersect, but you don't. It is touching, it is powerful, it is beautiful, and it is uh, really great on Blu-ray. Annette Benning, best performance of her career. I'm going to go ahead and say it. What S- the? Absolutely. Samuel L. Jackson, uncharacteristically tame. And uh, Naomi Watts, excellent. Carrie Washington is a revelation here, but Jimmy Smits, doggone it, good actor. Yeah. He really is. He's on so much crap TV, you forget how good he can be.
1: Well, I I saw Jimmy Smits on um, on Broadway in uh, God of Carnage, and he was one of the reasons why I didn't want to see God of Carnage, because he was not in the original Broadway cast. The original Broadway cast included actors like James Gandolfini, who I much rather would have seen, but – uh, Jimmy Smith took over and you he know what he it. was very good
0: he's really good
1: he was good on Broadway he's
0: really good so not much by way of extras here there's uh, you know some, some feature ready and EPK type stuff but gosh what a great movie
1: you know wait speaking of great movies how about The A-Team oh
0: Gads it finally came out
1: oh um, wait a second look at this Oh, it,
0: what what
1: blurbed on the bottom the best action film in years box office magazine you've got to be kidding <sighs> Really? Who wrote what they, Hang on a second. I, you, you, you go, go look it. that up. I, am, I would look that up right now. That's I'm astonishing. Not I am not I, I
0: want the, the best action film in years. Who the hell wrote that? Um, I, we're, who we're who take, do you think wrote that? Yeah, I know. It's Pete. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> oh, heaven help us. Okay. Well, the a team is finally out. You know, we had some uh, some listeners email us at gods at digigods.com. Uh, not long ago about, uh, hey, where's the A-team? All the other big summer movies have come out, and it's it was true, and and this for good reason. This never needed to be made. I I have to admit I'm a little biased here because I actually, and I may have mentioned this before, they, there were something like 15 writers on this thing over the last 12 years. 12 years, 12 years it has taken them to get this movie out of the gate. And uh, over that time, over those 15 writers, I actually know three of those writers. Well, hang on a
1: second. I'm, uh, yeah. we, we have confirmed it is Pete Hammond. Let me, let me Now, let me, do a, <laughs> let me do a find on the word best and see if he actually wrote that.
0: <laughs> oh. Wait, oh,
1: wait a second.
0: What does he PA say? The
1: A-Team provides action fans with a great excuse to hit the theaters. In fact, director Joe Carnahan has crafted just about the best action film in years, says Pete Hammond.
0: Wow. <laughs> there it is. That's our Pete. Okay. Anyway. Uh. Uh, this movie blows. Uh, no, honestly, I know uh, I know three of the writers that have been on this thing uh, f- since the beginning, and um, it's a, it's a sad case of affairs. Nothing that any of them wrote is anything is anywhere even remotely connected to this. But uh, it's kind of funny that I, I have uh, been exposed over the years to uh, you know inter- intermittent progress on this dumb thing, and it didn't. It turned out for not. The Expendables was a better movie, made for way less, made more money.
1: And you know what? Really, this movie is no better or worse than The Losers. No, it's
0: not. It, it's, it, you know what? It, it, does it look good on Blu-ray? No, because you can see all the CGI in spades. All that CGI crap with the tanks and coming through with the heli- with the, uh, the tanks with the parachutes. It's just, it looks terrible. So the Blu-ray actually hurts this movie, believe it or not. it just, you, you, everything is way too clearly hokey. Anyway, uh, the other guys is a movie I think Mark liked a little more than I did. I we, thought it was
1: funny. You know. I was expecting nothing. It seemed like it's like a lame title, and I'm not a big fan of Mark Wahlberg. He's fine. And, see, and I and, love
0: and, Will Ferrell. I really do. But he's just gotten lazy. Here's the thing. I like funny. things. I like things about it. I. It just doesn't hang together for me. I, you know. It's long. It's long. It's too I'll long. Give you that. And I think it's one of the weaker Adam McKay, Will Ferrell efforts. I, uh, I wanted something a lot sillier. Now, I did like Michael Keaton in it. It was nice to see him get goofy again because he hasn't been goofy in a long time. Uh, I'm a little tired of Steve Coogan playing evil because he can be goofy and funny too. So, you know, don't do that. Don't do that, Steve. But uh, what's interesting here is that this is the unrated Other Edition, which has both theatrical and the extended version. I don't see any point to uh, there being an extended version of this movie. It was too long to begin with. But if you're if you're a nut for this movie and you think, oh my gosh, really, I get to have two versions of the other guys, knock yourselves out. Damn right. Uh, there are a lot of Blu-ray exclusives here, so we gotta recommend the Blu-ray on this. Uh, lots of even beyond the extended edition, there's a lot of additional stuff because Will Ferrell improvises like a crazy man. So there's just tons and tons of cutting room floor stuff that you're gonna get here. Gag reel. Uh, there's a really funny thing here called a, a music video for "Pimps Don't Cry." The hilarious, absolutely hilarious, uh, which you know is sort of featured in the film. And then there's a really goofy thing here called a mentory, which is um, <laughs> it's a commentary with the uh, Will Ferrells, Adam McKay's, and uh, writer Chris Henchy's moms. It's very odd, but you know, cute, funny, gimmicky. You're not going to want to listen to much more than about 10 minutes of it, and then it's done. But uh, that's the other guys. Mark, uh, you, 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 you dug this.
1: I did. I thought it was funny.
0: Well, it is funny in bits. It just doesn't hang together.
1: You know, it's one of those movies where just when you think it's becoming as unfunny as you thought it would be, it makes you laugh. That's interesting. Put that on the uh, cover. Okay. Blurb it up. <laughs> just when you thought. It. Okay. I'm not sure I can say that again. All right. All right, on Blu-ray, this is one of the big Blu-ray releases of the week. This This is is Alice in Wonderland. 3D.
0: This
1: is in 3D. Now, as as you all knows,
0: this is this means you've got to have a 3D Blu-ray player and a 3D television. That is correct. So that the full 3D effect is manifest.
1: Now, I'm surprised they did this because nobody has a Blu-ray 3D player. And nobody has a 3D TV.
0: But these things are coming out fast and furious now. We've had Clash yeah. of the Titans, and we've had a whole bunch. And we ha- we actually have a um, a documentary uh, 3D Blu-ray today as well.
1: Now I've gone they're, on. They're,
0: trying, they're pushing them like crazy.
1: I've gone on record as saying that I went to a store, watched uh, 3D TV, mm-hmm. and thought for certain applications, especially video games, it could be awfully cool. Yeah. Now, uh, this version has the Blu-ray 3D. By the way, 3D is going to save the Blu-ray format.
0: Gee, I, I'm not convinced about that.
1: Blu-ray 3D. I don't think D. it needs
0: th- it need, need, need saving.
1: Blu-ray 3D. Yeah. Regular Blu-ray. DVD. Digital copy. All four on this combo pack. Here's the problem. I don't like this movie. <laughs> and i decided I don't like many Tim Burton movies. And I don't like this movie Because a couple couple issues. One is that it it although I like the setup with a Mia Wasakowska as Alice. Yeah. Uh, once they get into Wonderland, it's all about the only thing Tim Burton cares about, which is the production design. And they veer so far from the original story. That well, by this the... is
0: like a sequel to the story is yeah, the problem. You know, she goes back.
1: She goes back. But you know what? By the time, towards the end, when she whips out an enormous sword and has a gigantic sword fight with a big dragon lizard, thing, know, like, it's, this it's... is Alice in Wonderland? I know. This is like a standard Clash of the Titans. This is not a, this is no. not a, 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 a reverence respectful way to remount this story and you know what johnny depp wasn't very good i didn't think johnny depp was good in Willy wonka no and his character is ill-conceived here he's just a guy that says weird things i, I don't know. know what his deal is i don't either don't get it
0: well as long as we're on the subject we have another four format release this week blu-ray 3d blu-ray dvd digital copy also with a lenticular cover did we mention that alice the wonderland has a lenticular cover
1: yeah, oh, we did mention too. that, except yeah. we didn't.
0: Well, this one has it as well. Obviously, they're trying to push the whole 3D idea. This is, okay, take a deep breath, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Ga'Hoole. Now, uh, the main reason that I hate this movie is because it's directed by Zack Snyder, and I think Zack Snyder blows as a director. I just don't he like his He's going to direct
1: Superman. You're going to be the first in line to see it.
0: You know, all of his movies, they, 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 they he has one gimmick, which is things go fast, then they go slow, then they go fast again.
1: That's it.
0: That's it. That's all he does.
1: <laughs> it really is. That's all he does. It really is true.
0: It, it you know, it's like you punch somebody, oh, and then they slow down as they go crashing through the window. Yeah, but t- and t- then, t- then it speeds up again.
1: No, Lex Luthor is going to throw a punch to Superman, and it's going to be fast punch, and then when it hits Superman's cheek, He's slow, it'll be slow. And you and see,
0: and the, the, see the skin rippling, that's and right. then it speeds up again.
1: That's right. So it'll boring. Be two hours of that. No. Oh
0: God, help us all. Okay. Anyway, um, here are the problems that I have with Legend of the Guardians: The Owls of Gahul in 3D or not in 3D. Um, this movie is just The animation You're going to laugh But the animation is so good The movie sucks
1: I don't get it
0: Here's the thing these, They went to like subatomical lengths To make the every single ripple on the feathers of these birds be real And the birds are just so believable and real And honestly I was thinking You know what this thing would have been better If it were just 2D cell animation Done like the Secrets of Nim Don Bluth style then, then I would have totally bought it. But it was so – it is so heavy. It is so busy. It is so in-your-face. There's so much detail. It is so aggressive.
1: Yeah, but the the kids got to think it's all cool and stuff oh, and junk. it's
0: just – no, it's too much. It's, it's all inf- cool and stuff and it, junk. It, it's information overload. And because the owls are so detailed and so real-looking, it's hard to tell who's who. There's no kind of distinct characteristic. They're no, they're no, no one personalities. Wears a hat, has a mustache. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you know.
1: Is <laughs> wearing one of those like beer hats where you look, drink your look, beer from. The I head.
0: always knew the difference between Foghorn Leghorn and Tweety Bird. You know what I'm saying? They're both birds, but, but... They were
1: both. Uh, what, what was a rooster?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. But you know, they had a unique thing going. And uh, even Heckle and Jekyll, I knew who Heckle was and I knew who Jekyll was.
1: Heckle and Jekyll. There Why we haven't go. they made Heckle and Jekyll? Oh, my God. Did you even watch... Okay, we are way...
0: We're way, going way afield here because we hate talking that, about this movie. Are, did, you, are you asking me if I went to see Yogi Bear No, no, 3D? No, no.
1: No, 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 no. Who cares about that? Did yeah. you see that video... That producer Mike from Stupid for Movie sent us with oh, the yeah. alternate ending of Yogi Bear. Which did was you da- watch it?
0: I did, but well, it's 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 funny, but I'm I'm loath to actually enjoy it because it was put together and directed by the guy who did the 3D Voyage to the Center of the Earth. No, 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 with but Brendan the, Fraser.
1: But the whole thing's a joke. I'm sure it was put together by some guy, some kid. It must be.
0: No, no, no. It was that guy. Really? The Yogi Bear thing that was uh, off of the uh, the the assassination of Jesse James by Carol yeah. Robert yeah. Yeah
1: There's no way Yeah I'm looking that up right now
0: It's the guy who did uh, jo- for, uh, Yeah Jordan but I Saturday thought or. it
1: was a gag I mean it's so, it would seem Really disrespectful To the franchise To do a, a it's gag thing incredibly where he, disrespectful Where he dies And gets his head blown off Yeah I think It's kind of cool actually But I don't know All Well right. anyway
0: Legend of the Guardians The friggin owls This thing is just Straight up Joseph Campbell BS It's you know The good owls And then some evil Tyrannical owl Who's got some weird Magnetic force That he brainwashes And and seduces other owls he's going to invade okay. the good but no owls no one and cares it's, it's all lord but of the rings and it's just wait, so, i wait, fell asleep during this movie Wait, no one cares i did i fell From asleep entertainment
1: weekly yogi bear a boo-boo kills yogi in fan-made fake ending the new yogi bear movie doesn't come out until this friday but the definitive yogi bear fan video may have already arrived capitalizing on the fact that the 3d animated version of yogi and boo-boo look both ridiculously cute and freakishly creepy a savvy animator has put together a completely new, impressively realistic-looking sequence. It, it's really—you've you, just Google Yogi Bear and alternate editing. It is hilarious. It's intense. And then they—they—they they, they put the credits at the end. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta watch it again. It's brilliant. Wait, talk about something while I watch it. Again.
0: All right. Well, uh, one more 3D Blu-ray uh, this week. This is Blu-ray 3D and Blu-ray again. A lenticular cover, IMAX Space Station 3D. And uh, like all these things, they, they have they have little instruction on the back that says, to watch the 3D version of this movie, you need full HD 3D TV, compatible 3D glasses, Blu-ray 3D player, and a high-speed HDMI cable.
1: And you also need about $10,000. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's just, you know. But here, I'll say this. I'm still not on board with 3D or Blu-ray 3D or, or 3D televisions or any of it, but... If you're going to do it, like Mark says, it it's, it works for games. There is something about the IMAX space station thing that kind of works here. Now Tom Cruise narrates this. I'm just giving you ample warning because uh, that kind of throws you a little bit when you when you hear that voice. But you know what? I mean, the, any footage of the space station is super cool, and I think it's just as cool without the 3D. But you know what? It it, it works a little better here than it does in a narrative uh, in a narrative sense. So maybe this is where it belongs. This is, maybe this is where the format should live. Uh, a really cool indie I want to make mention of here is La Mission. Uh, Benjamin Bratt stars in this, and Benjamin Bratt's unbelievably, surprisingly talented brother, Peter Bratt, uh, wrote and directed it. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, but Peter Bratt is actually a very successful and award-winning filmmaker in his own right. I mean, these are two very talented brothers. This isn't like Benjamin Bratt went through his brother a bone. Uh, they got together, they formed a, uh, a production company to make these kinds of movies. Movies that are, you know, that basically are great little indies, but that have some kind of root in the Latino community, the, uh, you know, the uh, Chicano American or the Latin American experience. And uh, I, honestly, this is a really good movie. Uh, I was shocked how much I really liked this. Um, Benjamin Bratt plays a. Uh, you know, play, basically plays kind of a you know, an, uh, he used to be he used to be really, really just kind of rough hewn and a real problem guy. But he's trying to deal with the fact that his son. How do I do this without <laughs> without giving this away? He he's trying to develop a better relationship with his son, despite the fact that his son is not what he always suspected his son was. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You're reading something.
1: Because <laughs> at the end, <laughs> Yogi turns into a. To a bearskin rug. <laughs> okay. The the credits. <laughs> That's, That's great. The best. You got to watch this. You're, thing.
0: you're killing my moment here. Anyway, check us it out.
1: Benjamin Brad. Move Benjamin, on. So many okay. other movies to talk about. Benjamin <laughs> Brad's brothers, they Guys, really, tell. let in- Let's talk ten more minutes. Inception. About that
0: movie. Inception's out this week, but they uh, there was a screw up over at Warner, and they didn't get us the Blu-ray, the big whiz bang swanky Blu-ray. So all I we had can, the Blu-ray of Inception. I did.
1: Oh, I, I, I i took some DVDs, I took some DVDs all all the uh, all the LA Film Critic Association DVDs. Oh sweet! I took I took it back to Amoeba, Oh yeah, a record store that sells back and went, DVDs. And you I went bought, and got it. I bought. Okay. I bought uh, which I didn't have yet the uh, Blu-ray of the Back to the Future trilogy, and I bought the Blu-ray to um, Inception, and the Inception Blu-ray looks fantastic. It's got the movie on one disc, and it's got the supplements on the other disc. So the sound is great, the picture is gorgeous, Uh, the movie actually rewarded me watching it twice. Because the first time, it's so freaking complicated that you really really get the sense that Nolan has no idea what's going on, but he wants you to think he does, but then when you watch it again, you realize he does know what's going on.
0: Okay. I'm not going to be watching it again, I'll just say that. Uh the uh, some docs here we're going to blow through some docs real quick and then uh, wrap up with a little bit of TV and maybe some other things if we have time. The uh, the Roger nygaard who directed Trekkies which is a freaking hilarious movie. I just can't get enough of Trekkies. has done another movie which we have on Blu-ray here called The Nature of Existence. Um this thing has been a real hot festival film for a while and it's a t- it's a bit of a tough sell, but if you stick with it, it it actually is is kind of cool. I mean, it, he's trying to wrap his arms around a subject that is so enormous that it really is too big for one movie. But the idea of is you know is there meaning to life? Or it, it isn't even just religious or spiritual. It is just is there is there meaning to life? Why are, what are we? What's the purpose of humanity? Uh, get it, that gets into ethics and morality and spirituality and all of these things. It's a huge, huge subject, and uh, you get atheists and believers and uh, secularists and all these people are just really weighing in on this, and this is a giant, giant subject, but it's done very, very nicely, and full disclosure, uh, the co-editor, co-producer of this film is, uh, is a good friend of ours. You didn't know that, did you?
1: I, you know what I did know that because did you? Paul Tarantino. <laughs> okay. He works right. No across relationship st- to Quentin. No, he works right. He works. Uh, actually, I saw Paul yeah. at the um, the True Grit screening last week. Oh, did you really? He also works right across the street from.
0: Honestly, me. he and I have been exchanging emails, trying to get together for lunch for like a year.
1: Well, then, how's he doing? He's doing great, Well why, why don't you come out to the, uh, the, the LACMA area okay. where I work and where he works, okay, and we can all have lunch.
0: We could do that. Well, anyway, it, I, I was just thrilled to, to see him. Uh, you know, he, Paul did a movie uh, many, many years ago, which another friend of ours produced, but we'll, we'll cover that another time.
1: Oh, yeah, Star Wars.
0: That's exactly it. Anyway, no, it's a, it's a terrific little documentary, but again, it's just a huge subject, so don't expect it to be comprehensive.
1: A uh, couple of uh, actually three terrific docs we want to talk about. It's a good doc week. Harlan in the shadow of Juice Seuss. Now, um, you like Harlan? Juice Seuss? Uh, Dr. Seuss? Um, I'm scared. Um, there was a, a director Nazi, of Nazi propaganda films named Veet Harlan, and he wound up directing. Uh, in 1940, a film called Jew Seuss, which is considered one of the uh, most heinous anti-Semitic films ever made. And but he was like
0: a legitimate filmmaker. He was a I mean, He was a real filmmaker. legitimate German filmmaker and he kind of destroyed his legitimacy by becoming a pawn in the Nazi propaganda machine.
1: Well, it's funny because h- him and his family, he and members of his family tried to claim that Harlan didn't want to make this horrible anti-Semitic film, but he had to. Because he was forced to where his family and part of the film, you you realize his family, uh, they they admit he was anti-Semitic. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting about the movie is that uh, it is not only about the making of Jesus and also about Viet Harlan, but it's also how the legacy of what are you laughing?
0: I'm laughing because you're going to connect the dots now in the way where where we all do when we watch this film, because you and I didn't. I don't think we knew this watching it. And and it's and, and you go, wait a minute. What? Huh? Where's this going? And then there's that connection.
1: Well, you well, first of all, it's all about it's all about the the sons and the daughters and the grandparents, the and extended
0: the family, they, and they have all, all have
1: to live with this yeah. horrible knowledge of what their father did. They don't. Did. They
0: don't all agree on it. No, they don't. And he had a lot. I mean, it's an extended family from several different marriages, and some kids are French, and some are Spanish, and some are German. And you know, it's sort of like so. His his extended family tree is threaded all through Europe now.
1: Right now. What well, we're talking about, what Wade what yeah. made Wade laugh, is that Veet Harlan's niece is Christiane Harlan. Christiane Harlan would go on to marry
0: Stanley Kubrick,
1: Stanley Kubrick
0: and Christiane's brother. Is Jan Harlan, who executive produced, like, you know, most of Stanley's great films from the 70s on.
1: Now, in the movie, they interview Christiane, who relates And her, Jan. And Jan. And Christiane relates her husband's thoughts on marrying into such a notorious family. And, who,
0: of course, Kubrick was a Jew. You know, we have yes. to remember this. And, you know, so there... And there's and there are Jewish strains in the Harlan family to begin with, which is interesting when someone points that out. Well, so, well
1: they also say Hitler was Jewish. Yeah, I well, but anyway, right, so no, this, is, this is a terrific film. It's yep. really
0: terrific. Really, really good movie. You've got to check it out. It's a fascinating. This didn't get any love from the group on Sunday, did it? Nobody talked mm-hmm. about
1: Harlan. I think it came out too early in the year.
0: Yeah, probably. I don't know why. I, I should have given it a point or two. Darn it. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm an idiot.
1: I'm trying to uh, help you out. Okay. All right. Now, uh, th- uh, these next two documentaries are terrific. The next one is called I Knew It Was You, Rediscovering John Cazale. Now, the thing with John Cazale.
0: Who was an amazing actor and. He only just...
1: act, Yeah, he was great. He, okay, John Cazale did seven films that he died of cancer. Yeah. Okay, here are five of the seven films. You yeah. Ready? Yeah. The Godfather. Yeah. The Conversation. Yeah. Godfather 2. Dog Day Afternoon. Deer Hunter. Everyone a classic. Uh,
0: unbelievable. Everyone. And it's the thing is incredible. that he
1: was, the, he was the guy. I know. That er, all those 70s actors like De Niro, Meryl Streep, who he had a relationship yeah. with. All those '70s guys who we love today and revere today—they all pegged him, John Cazale, as being
0: the, the best of them all.
1: Yeah, the best of them all. And then he does four, and he does seven films. There's seven uh, acting uh, uh, roles, and then so, dies. So sad. And this documentary, I knew it was you, is all about uh, 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 John Cazale, and, it, and it's, it's a terrific, t- terrific documentary. There's a special features There's an extended interview with Al Pacino. They, they, they all appear in this thing. Yeah, everybody who loved him appears in this thing, including Meryl Streep. He, he,
0: uh, you, 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 If you watch his performances, you realize what acting was all about in the seventies. It was about nuance and restraint and understatement and just like those powerful, quiet moments. He's just so awesome in all those movies. It's so sad.
1: Yep, rent it, rent it. Oh man, you know uh, I, I, you know, Wade and I really enjoy uh, the output of Oscilloscope. Yeah, and this is this is a Good knowledge. Company. The company not only do they have the uh, the economically friendly packet or economically yeah. well, the, uh, environmentally. the uh, environmentally friendly packaging, but uh, they come out with good stuff, including not only I knew it was you, but also one of the best documentaries of last year. Exit through the gift shop. Exit through the gift shop starts as one film and then becomes another film. Both films are very interesting. Which is um, it's all about these uh, underground gra- uh, underground graffiti vandals. Mm. Now nobody hates graffiti vandals and nobody hates tagging more than I do. I think they should be given the death penalty. Yeah. All those taggers that go sure. up on the freeway signs and paint. But this is so interesting. This is about a guy who's, who was obsessed with shooting, th- with uh, uh, camcordering everything. He would record his kids. He would record his family. He'd record everything. Everything he did, this guy recorded. And then he winds up running into one of these famous gr- uh, gr- graffiti bombers and winds up taping him. All night, he'd go out with this guy, and he would tape him while he climbed up 10 stories onto a billboard to spray his graffiti tag. So all this video this guy got of this tagger, and through meeting this tagger, the guy not only starts to meet other more famous taggers, including Banksy, who directs this film, but this guy, this videographer who was obsessed with, with, with filming things, winds up becoming an artist himself.
0: That's pretty awesome,
1: and it was a really interesting documentary called "Exit to the Gift Shop." One of the best of last year. Uh, it's it's not one of those little those documentaries about it was, it was uh, a big, about.
0: it was a big sale at Sundance, and it got a lot of love in the room on Sunday. It did. You know what? It's yeah. not a
1: documentary about uh, you know sheep herders. It's a documentary about cool people you know who do things that I hate, but uh, people considered cool.
0: Well, there uh, another documentary we got a little bit of love in the room on Sunday is Restrepo, which is uh, this is an you know I know a lot of people are having suffering from sort of Iraq and Afghanistan war documentary overload enough already, but honestly this was one you, you really should check out. This is not like any of those other documentaries. There are no interviews. There's sort of no politics about it. It's a fly on the wall kind of documentary. Very kind of. Um, you know, it's Cinema very Verite, I hate using that phrase. It's so pretentious film school. Well, you're a pretentious film school. I know. But anyway, <laughs> the idea, this takes place in the uh, the Korangal Valley in Afghanistan, and it's just sitting there with this 15-man platoon in this remote, unbelievably out-in-the-middle-of-nowhere region, and just this is what it's like. Here you are. You are now among them. And it's very, very detached. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a really, really interesting film. Definitely worth checking out. A lot of extras on here. Don't look at the extras until you've seen the film, please. I know a lot of you do that. You, you, you turn it on, you start watching the extra features before you even watch the movie. It'll kill it if you do that. And this is another feather in the hat for National Geographic Entertainment. They, uh, they are really starting to do some very, very interesting stuff. And, uh, by the way, this won the uh, documentary prize this last year at uh, Sundance.
1: It's very good. Restrepo's very good. When I saw it, I saw a screening of that with a couple of the guys who appear in the film. Yeah. And they spoke afterwards. It's very emotional.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good, solid film. Uh, best Worst Movie is the true story behind what many people consider the worst film ever made, Troll 2. Now I was actually on a uh, a uh, an NPR show talking about bad movies a few months back when uh, I was given the unenviable position of having to actually defend uh, Sex in the City Two, which I don't think is a good bad movie. It's just, it's a fine movie. I, I think it's okay. It's got some bad moments, but what doesn't? But uh, this is, on the show with me was uh, Michael Paul Stevenson, who is who was the star of Troll Two, and who has sort of you know now made a bit of a career out of uh, out of sort of trying to purge that, trying to purge all of that stuff. Well, Michael Paul Stevenson, part of that purging is that he made this movie. So the star of Troll 2 made a movie about how How Troll Troll 2 is is the best worst movie ever. So this is his therapy session, folks. And uh, you know what? It's It's actually really good. Now, if you haven't seen Troll 2, I recommend seeing Troll 2 first so that you actually have a point of reference. But uh, boy, is it is it insane uh, You realize just how easily things can go wrong On movies that are probably going to suck to begin with But how much more they can suck If the people are just out of their minds uh, A few extras here You know, some decent stuff But uh, nothing real special Nice uh, green keep case though and then lastly, before we kind of wrap out with some television, is a uh, double DVD, Brian Wilson, Songwriter, 1962 to 1969. Now, that seven-year period of Brian Wilson's career is considered just, un, you know, that's like legendary. And uh, that period in music history, just if you include the Beatles and all the others that were doing stuff, that, is, that period of the 60s is amazing. It is just, that is like the, the groundswell of great music in, you know, the world. Uh, but this gets into – this really really gets into his career, but it doesn't quite get so much inside his head, which is the only shortcoming I think it has. But a lot of great uh, you know, live uh, recordings here, some studio recordings, uh, a lot of great interview footage and behind-the-scenes footage. This is – you know, it's, it's very comprehensive. I just wish it kind of got into why he's so crazy because you realize Brian Wilson is out of his mind now.
1: He was he's been out of his mind for years. Have you seen any of his
0: live performances? Every once in a while he shows up on the tonight show. Oh my gosh, it's like he can't sing anymore. Well I he's mean, got he's got an unbelievable set of musicians backing him up, and then he gets out there and he is off tune, he's out of key. It's no, he, it's, he, it's embarrassing. He
1: is diagnosed as being a sick man.
0: Yeah. But
1: again, sometimes that's what geniuses are. They're just twisted sick men.
0: All right. Well
1: why are you handing me this?
0: Uh, Oh, no, I meant to hand you this. Sorry.
1: Bonanza. Bonanza volume one. Move
0: on. I'm the Bonanza person. Sorry. Uh, No, this is the the second season of Bonanza volume one. We hate that. Please put it all out in one volume for crying out loud, would you? Uh, Five discs here. Now, this is back when they were doing, you know, about uh, 30 some odd episodes a season. You get 18 of those episodes in this uh, volume one of season two. Uh, This is one of those seasons before Pernell Roberts uh, lost his mind and walked off the show. Now, if you don't know that story, Google it. It's Pernell Roberts, uh, who actually used to live literally one block from me. Uh, No, about two blocks. Uh, Pernell Roberts. Dan Blocker, actually, as well, come to think of it. Pernell Roberts and Dan Blocker. Yawn. I, I I lived at the Ponderosa. I used to eat at a restaurant called the Ponderosa. This is the story of my life. No, no. This is uh, this is a great show, one of the all-time great television series ever. Unbelievably highly rated in its day because there was nothing else for people to do at the time and nothing else for them to watch. But uh, And a terrific cast, a legendary cast, but uh, it's got Pernell Roberts in it. So, you uh, you know, yeah, this is one of the rare seasons where you actually get to enjoy them before they became an unhappy family behind the scenes.
1: SpongeBob.
0: You love this crap.
1: Season six, volume 2, 23 episodes. That's it, honestly. What more can I say? It's got SpongeBob. <laughs> he's in the ocean. Jesus Christ! Enough, ready.
0: Uh, here are some of the episodes. Poor what are you, gonna, are pockets, you read the names? Overbooked. No, oh, I could do that. Hat. Okay.
1: Here's some of the episodes. We Debbie, move along. De- Debbie does Dallas. <laughs> Speaking behind speak- the behind the green door.
0: Speaking of great television, uh, westerns, Gunsmoke, the fourth season, volume two. Still doing that double volume stuff, are you? Paramount, stop it! Paramount and CBS, they gotta stop it. I wish they'd listen to us. Anyway, all right, here we go. Uh, you know, Matt Dillon, James Arness, twenty episodes. What can you say? Amanda Blake is really cool. Dennis Weaver is, uh, you know, he's Dennis Weavery. He's still trucking around in some weird car, some eco car. Dennis Weaver? Yeah. How
1: old is Dennis Weaver? That's he's like eighty
0: guy. something. You know, you, you know. Here, I'm going to digress because I don't want to talk about Gunsmoke.
1: Dennis Weaver, was. Uh, hang on, Dennis Weaver was born, no, he died in 2006.
0: Did he? See, I missed that. (laughs) Okay, my apologies. Gosh, no wonder I haven't gotten any press releases from Julian
1: Myers.
0: (laughs) You know, he was like Julian Myers' last client. Is that right? Yeah, and Julian Myers is about 90 now. He still works, still runs marathons. I see him at- He does uh, run
1: marathons.
0: Julian Myers, the
1: publicist? At 90 years old. Yes, he does. I'm, 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 I'm going to Google Julian Myers' marathon.
0: Yes, do it. And let me tell you something. He goes to the Anchorage Marathon every year. He always wins it because there's no one else in his age group. Um, and this is how I know. Look, we know Julian well. He helped us out in Schlock, and he was, uh, he was Sam Arkoff's publicist, and you know he was sitting there and nodding off in the corner while we were interviewing Sam. Here's the thing about Julian Myers. I run the, uh, the 5K race in Pacific Palisades every year on the 4th of July, as do about 1,000 other people. And it's a 5K and a 10K. Every single year, do you know who I see there? I see two faces. I see well, I see three. I see uh, the hairy guy, who is this this guy who always gets a better time than I do, who's probably ten years older, and he's got a horrible body and more body hair than a grizzly bear. It's disgusting, but he's a good runner. Then I also see um, Julian Myers. I also see every year he's running the race.
1: It says in two thousand nine. It says Myers has competed in twenty five marathons all over the world.
0: See told you. Let's spend more and time And then I also see Michael Apted.
1: Let's let's spend more time talking about people no one cares about. Okay. Uh
0: Keeper Sutherland in 24 season 8 the complete final season. Um finally this this show just flamed out. It was so hot for so long and then it just kind of ended with not really a lot of fanfare. Anyway, um 24 episodes uh, uh and there they are, you know, you get a uh, some little extended segments on these episodes and look the show freaking ends i mean what am i going to tell you if you if you need me to recommend this and you already have everything through season seven something's wrong
1: myers was the winner of the las vegas marathon for his age group last year because
0: he was the only one
1: he's probably the only one it probably took him six days he took a cab at the end
0: yeah well you know that's the that's that's he's come on he's julian myers he's a legend <laughs> Um, okay, Hawaii Five-0, the 10th season. This is actually a really good season. Uh, 10th season is, uh, comes with absolutely no extras whatsoever, but at least you get the entire 10th season, thank goodness, 24 episodes, and, uh, TV was good back in the 70s. This is the, near right near the end of the decade, 77, 78, post-bicentennial, and, uh, this is right before the show kind of started to disintegrate, when they started to bring on a lot of these, uh. Uh, ringers to round out the cast The last couple of seasons weren't so hot But the 10th season is still really, really good Still very much in the in the vein The show was always created So I recommend that And um, Dragnet, uh, yeah. 1969
1: Four DVD set, all 27 original episodes Of season 3 of Dragnet This includes a rare bonus episode From The Big Smoke No wait, it includes the rare bonus episode Called The Big Smoke Which obviously I didn't see Because that's why I read it wrong. Uh, Anyway, this is uh, Dragnet. This is based on the radio show. And, um, you know, it's. uh, Jack Webb, baby. Look, without this show, there wouldn't be Adam 12. There wouldn't be Emergency. Jack Webb. There wouldn't be Ice Cream.
0: I'm not sure how you make that connection, but thank you. Uh, Yeah, it's four DVDs. And, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Jack Webb. Good job. He's a dude, he's my man. You know what I like, Mark. Last week we talked about uh, on the on the Christmas and uh, holiday gift guide show. We talked about Jerry Anderson's Space nineteen ninety nine. You know what I'd never heard of before that I never realized. I thought I knew Space every- nineteen ninety eight. I thought I knew every show that he had ever created. I never had never heard of this freaking show. I had never heard of this show, Space Precinct two thousand forty.
1: Is that Jerry Anderson? Yes. Sounds like a dud. Have you ever heard of this? No.
0: I haven't either. It's bizarre i never heard of this. Anyway, it's like 18 hours worth of this thing, uh, and I, I just – I space never pre- – that,
1: that, was, that was back in the day where you'd put, like, the word space in front of anything, and it would sound futuristic. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, space car, 63. Or Star.
0: Star Command. Jason of Star Command. Space Academy. Space. Remember Space Academy? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Space Academy Saturday mornings. It was so cool. Space precinct. Uh Yeah, right.
1: Space hospital. <laughs> I'm going – Mom, I'm going – I'm going off to space college now. <laughs> don't forget to dress warm and, and don't get too drunk when you join a space fraternity. Oh
0: my gosh. It's
1: so like bizarre. the Jetsons. They put the word space in front of everything.
0: I, this is just so bizarre. I've just never I heard of space. I'm going to join the
1: space football team. Okay, go get yourself a space burger for dinner.
0: Well, anyway, uh, this is not as good as Space 1999. Not nearly as good There's as any of the Super Nation stuff. Not as good as UFO um it actually kind of sucks to be honest this is uh about um this is this is kind of it's sort of almost like uh night stalker you know like night stalker crossed with um with the uh, a- a- alien uh what was it what's the what's the thing with mandy patinkin the movie oh alienation alienation that became that horrible television series yeah um yeah anyway it takes place in the year 2040 which isn't so far off anymore and uh you know it's a Couple of couple of cops who are fighting alien criminals, basically. I mean, in a way, I guess you could say it's more like Men in Black. Anyway, no, this is really not very good. I'm very disappointed. But uh, if you are a crazy fan of Jerry Anderson and uh, he can do no wrong in your eyes, then by all means, check it out. Uh, last couple of, uh, gosh, this t- this show just flew by. Last couple of titles we're going to give mention to is the official third season of the Lucy Show. Which is not as good as I Love Lucy, but it has its moments, and it has a certain following, and it's in color, and I guess that's worth something. Uh, this is from the 1964-1965 uh, season, and, uh, you know, it's got a lot of great guest stars, i got to say, the, uh, and it's got some interesting extras, a uh, little uh, documentary here, Lucy at the World's Fair, that's pretty good, and some uh, cast commercials and vintage closings and openings, which are kind of neat, so... Oh yes, we forgot to talk about that. By all means, Mark.
1: Oh, do 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 the next one, then we'll do. And then the, and
0: then the last one is uh, "Boy Meets World" the complete fourth season. Can't believe we that one slipped the cracks. We're just, just trying to catch you're up. You're a after the big
1: holidays. jerk.
0: I am. Uh, yeah, "Boy Meets World" complete fourth season. Uh, cute kids. Uh, not a very good show. Uh, no extras. All right, go.
1: Uh, "Video Drome" is out on uh, Criterion. This is the 1983 film directed by David Cronenberg. It uh, s- stars. Um, James Woods and uh, Deborah Harry. It's uh, there's a small cable station and there's a signal that sort of triggers extreme like violence and the signal causes damage to the brain. To Don't try to figure it it's out. Very it's very su- just
0: it's freaky and it's, it's weird. It's very surreal. It's very surreal and it's Cronenberg basically taking what would otherwise be uh, exploitation horror and turning it into some kind of a weird art film.
1: That is true. That is true. I mean, and it got a
0: Criterion release for Crying Out Loud, it really but so, did, did, so it's, it's good. a blob. It is good.
1: It, it didn't do very well initially, uh, but it became kind of a cult hit. And uh, the music was composed by David Cronenberg's Kronenberg, uh, close friend, Howard Shore. Oh, that's right. You wind up winning many, 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 many an Oscar nomination. Uh, this, is, um, this is a good-looking Blu-ray. Uh, there's two audio commentaries, uh, one featuring Cronenberg and the other featuring James Woods, which is great. There's a short film from Cronenberg from 2000 called Camera, which is kind of interesting. And uh, there's a roundtable discussion from 1982 featuring Cronenberg, John Carpenter, John Landis, and Mick Garris. That is good oh, times. Oh, that is
0: great. That's killer. Well, that's it. That'll do it for the show for us. Uh, check us out at uh, digigods.com, stupidformovies.com. Check out the Facebook pages associated with each. Email us at gods at Next week, we'll be talking about some Golden Globes, but check us out definitely this week on Stupid for Movies, Thursday, 8 p.m. Live Pacific Time, stupidformovies.com. Booya Booyah!
1: Next week. Booyah!